There is such a thing called conscious consciousness. In terms of consciousness. In terms of consciousness. What consciousness is. You're listening to Explain the Brain from the Mind Science Foundation. When early analysts considered obsessive-compulsive disorder, OCD, they thought of it as anal retentiveness. It was like a personality type where you can't let go of things. Heather Berlin's a cognitive neuroscientist at Mount Sinai School of Medicine. She says these days OCD is seen more as an anxiety disorder. People have repetitive thoughts that cause anxiety, obsessions, and to relieve that anxiety, they have certain behaviors they feel they need to do, compulsions. What about if I spend way too much time formatting a Word document? Is that OCD? If it got to the point where you literally cannot stop like correcting this document and you just can't even get the paper in on time or ever, you know, that's when you're getting to the point where this could be a problem. How about if I'm on the subway and I notice a whole bunch of sick people, they're all blowing their nose and touching the pole on the subway and I get off and I'm like, I gotta wash my hands, I gotta wash my hands. Is that OCD? It's No, I mean, so again, it's, you know, I think it's within the normal range to have the desire to want to wash your hands, you know, after you've been someplace where there might be a lot of germs. But if it's, you know, you can't touch a utensil in a restaurant without having to wash your hands, you know, then it's getting to the point where it's really can be detrimental to your daily functioning. Being so afraid of disease that it interrupts your daily life, that's called contamination type OCD. It's an OCD subtype Berlin's been studying. And if you're someone with contamination type OCD, someone who gets anxious about gross stuff, smells are probably a pretty big deal for you. That's your olfaction system. Olfaction is affecting our behavior outside of awareness. It's, it's unconscious. And there's all these cool studies that, that show that. For example, they collected sweat from people who were highly anxious, like about to jump out of an airplane or take a, an exam, and then sweat of people that was kind of neutral, like they were just working out at a gym. And they gave these scents to other people um, and who couldn't consciously tell the difference between the anxiety odors and the neutral odor. But then they put them in a scanner, an fMRI, to look at brain activation, and they found that when they smelled the anxiety odor, they actually had um, increased activation and sort of em- empathy network in their brain uh, compared to others. So you're actually picking up on other people's anxiety and being empathetic, you know, with the odors that are coming out of these. Wow, that's so animalistic to me. Yeah, no, it, so, so I, I got really excited about olfaction. So Berlin wanted to see if there was anything interesting going on with olfaction in OCD. She wanted to see what happened in the brains of people with OCD when they smelled stuff. So she set up an fMRI study. That's where you can look at brain activation in pretty much real time. So we wanted to look at pleasant odors compared to disgusting odors. Uh, so it was easier to get pleasant odors because, you know, people are making that all the time. These odors like strawberry and, and nice things for like perfume companies. But it was actually quite difficult to get the disgusting odors. Um, so I ended up getting them from a company in the U.K., in Manchester that made these odors that were used for like museum exhibitions that wanted like like for like a dungeon or something like that and they wanted to have like these gross odors that make it feel really real and immersive so we actually had to order them from from there um and ship them here (laughs) yeah so did they send you dog poop odor yeah actually the odors that we used were feces uh cat urine and as the british call it rubbish or garbage scent It was really gross. She had people in the study wear a mask over their nose. That way the scents could be piped in from outside the room. And then they had to lay in the fMRI tube and just take in the different scents, pleasant and unpleasant. And we would just say, you know, just just relax and just breathe in and smell the different odors. And they really didn't have to do anything in response to them. We just wanted to see how their brain was reacting. And we also gave them like questionnaires about the intensity um, of the odors and the valence, you know, how pleasant or unpleasant were they subjectively. 
Did you give them like a mint afterwards? <laughs> oh, no, we didn't actually. As kind of expected in the questionnaire, the people with contamination type OCD were more disgusted by the disgusting odors than the control subjects. But Berlin also saw something different going on in their brains. Yeah, and so that was the cool thing. We, um, we gave them these different odors and we found that they also had increased insulin activation to the disgusting odors <clears throat> compared to controls. The insula is a part of your brain that processes disgust. The people with contamination type OCD showed more insula activity when they smelled the gross smells compared with the non-OCD people. Their brains were extra responsive to disgust. Berlin did similar studies where she had people in fMRI look at disgusting images. People with OCD also had a bigger insula response to gross images than control subjects did. And so one idea is it might be, you know, just like people with depression are kind of you know, seeing the world like with this kind of depressive bias or like through depression colored glasses that people with OCD might have a kind of disgust bias or at least people like with contamination type OCD. They might be seeing everything, even neutral stimuli with some level of disgust. And then then they have compensatory behaviors to kind of respond to that. Berlin is saying that this disorder that we thought of as an anxiety disorder might also be a sensory processing disorder. It's a whole new way to characterize OCD. It must be validating to learn that it's not just that I'm being crazy about smells, it's that these smells are actually affecting me more strongly than they might affect other people. Yeah, yeah, your brain is responding to them in different ways, yeah. So why don't you just target the insula and dull the insula response and then you could cure people with OCD? Well, that's, I mean, an idea. I mean, I don't know if it can totally cure, but one, what this leads to, what it suggests is that for treatments to target the insula. Berlin thinks there might be a way to do this in therapy. She's trying something out on control subjects now. You show the person a gross image, also show them a bar graph of their insula response in real time. She then tells people to do whatever they can to get their insula response down which seems kind of like telling someone to slow their heart rate in front of a bear. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. And, you know, we know, I mean, these techniques are used in biofeedback where they give people their heart rate and they're like, do whatever you can to slow it down. And as I think a lot of what's going on is it's unconscious mechanisms. They don't even know how they're doing it, but they're doing it. Yeah, if I didn't even know where my insula is, how could I no. affect the, the, its, its action? No, you don't. So that's why we don't give them a specific strategy. We're like, okay, these are a number of strategies you can use. Do whatever you think works best. The idea is if people can find a way to get their insula activation down in the lab, like imagining the gross smell is actually a good thing or telling themselves the gross smell can't affect them, they might be able to use that same strategy in everyday life. The hope is that if Berlin can help people decrease the amount they're feeling disgusted by a smell or image, it will decrease their obsessive thoughts about that thing and ultimately their compulsions. For Explain the Brain, I'm Audrey Quinn. For more information about the Mind Science Foundation, go to mindscience.org. Explain the Brain's top listener city this month is London, England. Glad to have you. You can subscribe to Explain the Brain on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever else you get great podcasts for free. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes.